This is Elected Women Across America, a podcast brought to you by the National Foundation for Women Legislators. I'm Brenna Kihu-Skelly. We're bringing you stories from the elected women that shape our organization on issues that shape them and the districts that they serve. In this episode, the spotlight is on motherhood and childcare. We'll hear from a New Jersey Assemblywoman who worked across the aisle to ensure student lunches extended during the pandemic, a veteran Hawaiian senator whose son followed her footsteps to office, and a preschool teacher turned minority caucus chair whose home state of Wisconsin is facing women leaving the workforce in unprecedented numbers. Assemblywoman Aura Dunn's life in politics started behind the scenes, first as a budget analyst on education policy for the U.S. Senate Appropriations Committee, and then as district director for Representative Freelandheisen of New Jersey. In 2019, she ran for state office herself. You know, kind of a behind the scenes, coming to the front of the scenes, which, you know, there was some gro- some growth and discomfort in that phase. Yeah. Um, but kind of reflected on, I think, you know, when women run for office, we choose to do that. Um, and put up a lot of sacrifices for a family, not to mention really just putting yourself right out there. Um, you know, you do it because you're not, you really want to, you want to accomplish something. You want to do, I like to say, I want to do something. It's not like I, I need to be someone. Yeah. So, so many ways, I feel this is an extension of what I've been doing all along. It's just that now your name's kind of out uh, uh, front and center. Assemblywoman Dunn says the biggest adjustment was for her son, who was then 13 at the time of her run. You're always thinking of how it plays out, you know, for others, you know, starting with your family. Um, and I very much, you know, weighed that. Of course, I had, I have the full support of my husband, which, um, you know, I think that's like step one. You've got to have support from your family. But, um, you know, it wasn't easy. I'm, I'm away a lot, uh, away from the home front. And it took quite an adjustment. I think my youngest is still adjusting. <laughs> there are days that he's not so crazy about it. I mean, it puts them in the public eye too a little bit, so um, I can understand that. And how many how many kids do you have? Is that your three kids? I have I have three children. Um, I, I, I and I'm, they'll forever be my children. The two of them are adults now; they're in yeah. their twenties. And my youngest is a sophomore in high school. So he and really my only boy, which is um, really interesting because he he really was exposed to um, he's been exposed to me being in politics the longest because he's been home this whole time and really having that exposure at a younger age. Um, and he's, he's, you know, and so he would come with me to a lot of events and take things in. And, um, and as boys, you know, are often very protective of their moms. Um, so we had a lot of interesting uh, car ride conversations in the car ride home uh, after events and, and really him sharing his observations as a 13 year old boy. When he was in the seventh grade, which here in New Jersey, that's uh, civics is taught or American history. Um, he so what's that? That's actually younger that he was about 12 and we're at dinner and he starts like getting upset. He's like, Mom, I have to tell you something. So I said, what's that? And he said, um, today we learned about who our state representatives are and a PowerPoint power slide came up and um, your name and your picture was not on it it was blank. And it was just the senator in New Jersey, we have us for districts, we have 40 districts and uh, one senator and two members of the assembly. So my counterpart was up. And um, he was like, troubled by that. And he said, please don't tell you know, don't, don't tell the teacher, don't complain. And um, 
So I did approach the teacher just to say, what are your, what were your thoughts there? Um, not to mention I'm the only woman in the delegation. Um, and he said that he was concerned that he might embarrass my son. So we, um, we, had, to, we had to deal with that. I, um, and I, more importantly, I was upset that the civic, that the lesson really was incomplete because the students walked away thinking they just had two representatives. <laughs> instead yeah. of the three. So we, um, we worked it out and uh, I actually ended up coming back to the classroom for a visit and talked about you. my role. <laughs> so I want, we are trying to bring some focus on in this episode to, um, to childcare and motherhood and, and how um, public policy can impact that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I know you you did some work on childcare um, policy in your state, am I correct? I'm, I'm, Yes. I know, yes, during the pandemic. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, well, actually, um, well, uh, my very first bill to pass uh, during the pandemic, and it was like probably four days, you know, very shortly after the everything shut down um, and the, the state house was actually working remotely. Um, I had the head of the Girl Scouts in my region approach me and say, you know, you just passed, you meaning the legislature just, and the governor signed um, allowances for corporate boards to uh, gather um, electronically, because otherwise they, they weren't, they did whatever they were required. Um, I, can we do the same for nonprofits? And I'm like, well, that makes complete sense. And I, I obviously maybe an oversight, um, but I just love that it was the Girl Scouts that yeah. brought that to my attention. Um, so that was that was one of the first bills that I got passed and probably the fastest moving piece of legislation that I recognize. I may not be able to replicate that again. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, and then the second piece of legislation during the pandemic uh, that I uh, championed with my uh counter my democratic colleague so crossing the aisle um, to ensure that student lunches uh, did not there was no lapse in that as was kids went home and to, to learn remotely that there was still um, that the, the lunches continued and it was amazing it was really um, an experiment in creativity because every school district really had a different way of handling it uh, but, you know, the focused on the goal is that each each day those children uh, that are qualify and otherwise, in, in many cases, sometimes maybe the only meal uh, that they were able to get that. So I'm proud of that legislation. Uh, so the the emergency and the, the public health emergency really um, brought some ingenuity and again, bipartisanship. Um, that was clear. We were kind of so much to the politics just went right to the side and we said, how do we, we've got to address these needs. This year, Assemblywoman Dunn passed a bill that extends subsidies to childcare centers based on enrollment, not attendance, directly addressing the challenges that lockdowns created for childcare centers. As a mother of three, Assemblywoman Dunn has faced childcare issues stemming from workforce declines herself. And, and I remember the days of wait lists uh, when when my when I was working on Capitol Hill, actually, and my my two oldest um, were in need of childcare. And not an easy choice, um, and you know, long wait lists, um, and still, I and that's so. I mentioned my daughters are in their twenties, um, yeah. and we know that. So there's still the, the demand uh, exceeds the the supply, and unfortunately, I think may even be getting worse as we saw since the pandemic. There have been a lot of closures, 
Um, this is a female dominated uh, business sector. Uh, so women leaving the workforce um, and really, you know, providing those entrepreneurial opportunities. Uh, so I definitely, I worked on um, one change, major change that we were able to accomplish. And now we're, it was again, temporary because of the pandemic, but we hope that it, it was the start of something that um, our childcare subsidy program in the state was based on enrollment as opposed to attendance. Uh, because it was just, yeah, so there, so it actually would, you know, provide some stability to um, any kind of provider, right? Because what, what business can rely on that, um, you know, and, yeah. and, and now with hybrid work environments or yeah. just, there's a need to kind of, there was a need to adapt. Senator Donna Mercado-Kim has served in the Hawaii State Senate since 2000, and her time in politics began in 1982 as a state representative. Now her son, born during that time as she was a city councilor, is serving as the 32nd district in the Hawaii House State of Representatives. I asked Senator Kim how she succeeded in fostering a successful environment of leadership in her family. Well, you know, I'd love to say I orchestrated and I had everything to do with it. Unfortunately, that's not how it comes about. I learned early on when I wanted my son to play golf because I ended up loving the game and enjoying the game. And of course, grew up with Tiger Woods and wanted my son to be the next Tiger Woods. And so I you know, <laughs> put him in golf lessons and, and then he got onto the uh, team in high school that he made the golf team, but he really didn't enjoy it. He didn't like it. He could have been a better golfer, but I pushed him. And so, I decided I'm not going to push him into anything. You know, he needs to be the one to want to do something. And there was an opening that occurred last minute last year uh, where the sitting House of Representative member, who I was very closely with, uh, Johansson, decided not to run uh, a month before the fighting deadline. And that's when I thought, oh, nobody's running. So I called my son up and said, hey, what do you think about? running for the House of Representatives. And this is a good opportunity. He was in his in-house counsel for one of the construction companies. And I said, you know, be good on your resume because he's talked about possibly being in the judicial or the Supreme Court one day or maybe attorney general. I said, that'd be good on your resume. So kind of, you know, bring him on that way. And so he did. He ended up running. And it was really difficult. And he found it difficult. I mean, we, we campaigned together because our districts overlapped. But the rewarding thing for me was that he finally got to really experience and understand all the trials and tribulations that I've been going through all these years, raising him and being in office. And I think children don't really understand all the sacrifices that we make. And it, we make it look easy. Hey, moms make things look easy, right? Everybody thinks yeah. And so now he understands and he... He laments with me on certain issues before when I would talk about something and he'd be like, oh, okay, mom, you know. But yeah. now he really understands. And so it's been really good to be able to share that that part of that with him. Do you, I mean, it must be nice you always have um, 
you know, a co-signer, right? Or you've got a, a, a lock vote in the, in the house, right? <laughs> or have you, have there been any issues that you all disagree on? Can you imagine he spent his life arguing with me? Yeah, it sounds like it. I don't know if I want my kid to go into debate. I think that's a, a recipe for a headache. Though the mother-son duo don't always agree on every issue, Senator Kim has been there to lend some words of wisdom from her years of experience in working across the aisle for Hawaii. So early on, I advised people, including my son, that in the House, in the Senate, but mainly with him being elected to the House, uh, you need to find a coalition of people that you share some similar concerns, that you can talk with, you can bounce off issues, and you can get support. I made it a point to tell them, you need to get to know your members, you need to form a coalition, you need to have a group of people you feel comfortable with, Otherwise, it's going to be difficult to maneuver with your mother, and it's not going to be fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so he did take that seriously, and he did make an effort to get to know them. And so as a result, they have kind of a close knit group of about eight or nine of them. From That's the great. Yeah. And then they also coalesce and get along with some of the older members that's been there and their groups and stuff. So, yeah, it, it is important to have that kind of a support group within the body that you that you serve. What changes would you recommend or do you think need to be made so that more mothers have access to leadership positions, to running for office? Um, and how can we support that? You know, it's so different for for every every mother or every woman that decides whether or not they want to get involved in, in government and politics. Or I think like in anything, it's uh, one's um, purpose in life and where they see themselves. Uh, for me, it was, you know, speaking out for my district and having the fortitude to be able to stand up and to work in, um, in an area or an arena where they are dominantly done with men. Uh, I think in the business area, I did work in areas where there were a lot of men. So it wasn't really that difficult for me um, running for office. Of course, I ran when I was single. And so I ended up getting married and having my son when I was on the city council. And uh, I do have the um, notoriety of having the first first child born to the Honolulu City Council and in the House of Representatives, so sort of full circle. Uh, because back then, you didn't have a lot of women of a childbearing age uh, running and sitting in, in some of these these um, legislative seats. And on the city council in Hawaii, it was only nine members, and there were most literally on men. And so yeah. coming in, we had women, but the women tend to have been older. Um, so having a child and having my parents around really helpful. Without them, I don't know that I would have been able to do it. So childcare is very important for women um, to know that not only just childcare per se, but childcare that you feel comfortable that your child is going to be well taken care of. So I actually am somebody who Never really thought about running for office. Representative Lisa Subek began her career in service teaching preschool, working with low-income children and families to provide health care and early childhood education. In her words, she spent a lot of time in helping parents and people to navigate broken systems. Got tired of helping people navigate systems that were 
um, horribly broken and wanted to work to change those systems. I do want to talk a little bit more about childcare because, um, you know, it's, it's a huge issue. I, you know, it's something I think you and I always talk about because as everyone knows, I've got young children and it's like all I can talk about these days because mm -hmm. I can't find childcare. And it's just a wild experience as a professional person who has a lot at my fingertips and the capacity to do. And I just can't, you know, I can't find the childcare that, that suits what I need. And it's, um, it's been such a frustrating experience and I know it's happening across the country and to everyone. So, um, you know, I think we know how the pandemic has affected childcare in the United States. So how, how are you seeing that play out in Wisconsin and how, what are you all doing to address this issue? So we saw daycares close in the pandemic that did not reopen post-pandemic. We saw a shrinking in the number of childcare stops available. And this compounded a problem that already existed. We already had a childcare problem in the States back even to the days when I was working in childcare, which were a lot of years ago then. Uh, we were fighting these same fights of how do we keep our doors open without the cost becoming unaffordable for families and at the same time be able to compensate teachers at a rate that keeps good staff there so that we can provide the quality care that our families need and deserve. And I think that now it is getting more attention than it once did, at least in our state, because of our workforce shortage. In 2021, Milwaukee-based Kane Communications Group released a new research that the number of dissatisfied working women in Wisconsin was at 60%. The research acknowledged that employees are less likely to leave their jobs when their children are settled in, quote, supportive care. Women in general, but particularly those who came before us, um, fought hard and worked hard to find us a place in the workforce, in professional careers, where we had opportunities for career advancement, sort of getting out of the frame of what is women's work versus, you know, mm -hmm. really to where women are leading corporations, women are leading in yes. government, women are leading in science, they're leading in medicine. And I do too, I do also worry that this sets us back. We talk a lot about the wage gap between women and men, and we know there's lots of reasons for it. But one of the contributing factors is that women tend to be caregivers, so they are in and out of the workforce more, which sets us back in career advancement and wage advancement. No, and every, everybody should make the decisions of what's right for their families, right. but not based on the cost of childcare, based on what's right for their families. And I think that often um, families are forced into decisions based on whether it's that financial piece, whether it's based on practical issues, um, that wouldn't be the choice that they necessarily would make yep. if they had other opportunities. Yep, yep. And and you're right about that too, because it's it's not, I mean, it's, it's a childcare crisis at every income level, but the less money you have, the less options you have, and the tighter and, and more difficult it does become. So uh, you're you're absolutely right. Um, since you've been in the legislature, um, have there been? I mean, I know I think we just talked about it, how the problem's still there, but have there been any moves that you think are, is at least a step in the right direction? Well, I would say people are starting to talk about it at this point. Mm -hmm. I think this has been a real challenge because trying to bring things to the top of the pile in a legislature is sometimes challenging. I'll, I'll share a story that I think was sort of poignant to me about sort of this prioritization and, you know, where people's mindset is. 
when I was first elected, this was back in 2015, went to my orientation meetings and we had couple of days of legislative orientation, went from thing to thing, drank from the fire hose as they like to say of information. But during these hearings, something that I remember so clearly was we were on our way to go to the governor's office to see Scott Walker's office and meet his staff. And you know, this is a big bipartisan orientation event. I'm walking with a couple of my male Republican colleagues um, who both came out of sort of the business work. Mm -hmm. And as we were walking there, they had started talking about something. And one of them said, you better watch it or you, or you are going to get appointed to that woman and children's committee. And they were right behind me. I turned around and I said, and what would be wrong with that? And he says to me, oh, are you on that committee? I'm sorry. And you know, one, there isn't a woman and children's committee, there's a children and families committee. Yeah, right. um, two, is that the big punishment? Yeah. And I mean, it spoke to priorities. I don't think these guys hate women and children, of course. but it spoke to their priorities. They wanted to be on the committees that made the business decisions. They wanted to be on the committees that, you know, did certain things. Children and families wasn't the priority. And so yeah. I guess when I think about that, I do think that one of the things we need to do is elect more women because we talk about these issues and we help bring them to the top of the pile. Today, Representative Subek continues to push to improve childcare programs in Wisconsin. During the pan here in Wisconsin, during the pandemic, the federal government, um, the federal government did this everywhere, had a program that helped support childcare. I, here we call it Child Care Counts. I don't know if it had the same name across the country or not. Yep. Okay. So that program's ending. And yep. our child care centers are in absolute crisis mode. We have centers that are saying, without these payments, we cannot continue. We cannot survive. And right. so we are pushing, um, maybe it doesn't look like exactly the same program, or maybe it's not exactly the amount of money that the governor asked for. Maybe there's some middle ground we can find because we all agree that we need to figure out how to increase our workforce. And we yeah. all agree that childcare is a barrier to people getting in the workforce or staying in the workforce. This has been Elected Women Across America, an NFWL podcast. We'll continue to bring you more stories from the women who serve.